Thank you, Brother Shane and praise team. Good morning. It is a privilege to be with you here at Mount Zion this morning. It was a, a grateful opportunity that Brother Zach gave to me to come and to fill the pulpit. In fact, I was surprised. This morning I was able to bring with me my uh, 16-year-old son. He's my oldest son. He was able to travel with me. Our time together uh, obviously is limited as he gets older, and I know that his days are numbered in my household. We pray that... Uh, Hey, if you've got kids that are, that are moving on through high school and moving on to college, we know that one of the greatest things we can do is send them as missionaries. And so that's what we're praying to do with, with not just my oldest, but also I have a younger son who is uh, back home with my wife. She had responsibilities at our church this morning. So we were driving over and uh, we, we got off the interstate and we drove. Now, I know he was wondering, where in the world are we going? And I said, just hold tight. I promise you, there are going to be people there, which always surprises me that you were here and that obviously Brother Zach didn't tell you that he was going to be out of town because you showed up today and I'm grateful for that. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the 30th Psalm. Listen, I need to be completely upfront and honest with you about everything that I do. I am not familiar with preaching from the book of Psalms. In fact, in their times, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. Is there an S on the end? Is it the, the psalm? Is it the psalm? I, listen, I am so confused about this book that is filled with songs. And yet God has placed on my heart a message from the 30th Psalm. And, and it, is, it is something that I feel I need to share with you this morning. But I also need to let you know that I, I never preached a systematic uh, expository passage through our, our, our sermon messages through this book of Psalms. And so this morning I'm bringing you one. It is the 30th. It is weird. It is strange. It is some unique. And you probably have your favorites. I could probably talk to you about the first Psalm, the one in which it says, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the counsel of the wicked. I could probably talk to you about a time in your life when God spoke to you through the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I could probably talk to you about the 150th Psalm, the very last one, whenever it's all about praise. But yet the 30th Psalm is the one in which God has laid on my heart this morning. I'm going to read you these 12 verses. I'm not a music person. I'm not going to read it. I don't know if it is, I don't know if it rhymes. They typically do. It's confusing because sometimes the choir director writes it. Sometimes it's David. This one is ascribed to David. Sometimes there are other weird names in which we are told they wrote these songs. After all, who just flips through the songbook and begins to look at all and say, this is a great, but I'm telling you, God's word has something to say to us this morning. In fact, it has something to say to us every day. There are 12 verses ascribed to David in which he has a specific reason of giving praise to God in the form of a song. And I pray that at some point God will give you a new song to sing and that you will have praises to give to him as well for what he has done in your life. Look in the 30th Psalm, beginning in verse 1. We'll read the entire passage 30th Psalm, beginning in verse 1. This is a psalm or a song that is dedicated. It's at the dedication of the house. It is a psalm of David. I will extol you, O Lord, 
For you have lifted me up, and you have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You've kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you his godly ones. And give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night. Now you may be familiar with this. But a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved, or I shall not be moved. O Lord, by your favor you have made my mountains to stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper, for you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Join me in a word of prayer. God, in a setting like this, it is easy for us to say that we will sing your praises forever. For God, we have come to your house this morning expectant, desiring for you to speak. We enter into the sanctuary and the facilities and the property of Mount Zion Baptist Church this morning, desiring for your presence to be made known. But God, could it be said that even in our depths, that even when we are in the pit, we would still sing your praises? Speak to our hearts this morning. We ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I wish I could tell you when and why David is writing this. I love biblical history. I love the historical aspect of all that is written in Scripture. I think it's one of the reasons why I shy away from preaching through the Psalms. Because we just don't know. There are a couple of ideas of when David wrote this incredible psalm. And I know you're reading it and you say, well, I've heard of a couple. There's a song that talks about how he'll turn our graves into gardens and that we will dance after the morning. He's turned our morning into dancing. And I know that you've read other parts of this. You say, hey, I understand that this is, there's some familiarity here. I understand a part of this. But when we look at it as a whole, we don't know when David is writing it. Other than the fact that there's some sort 
sort of dedication that is going on. In fact, if we read it, it says that there was a, a dedication of a house. Now, we can determine that to be two different interpretations. If I were to say, have you dedicated your home? Typically, you would think that if, when you were building your house, as soon as you built your house, or if you're buying a new home, as soon as you close on the house, I've had people to ask me, I've had people as a pastor, they've asked me to do really strange things, okay? I've had people who've asked me to, now dedicating a home is not strange, but I'm going to tell you, I'd much rather, I'd rather dedicate that mortgage payment to God and say, God, that's yours, and when I get, we're going to dance when that thing gets paid off, right? That's what I'd rather be. But I've had people that said, I need you to come dedicate my house. People, they've said, will you pray over my home? Will you pray over the slab? If you've ever built a church building, many times you've written on the studs. You've put, you've marked it with Bible verses and this. So a lot of people look at that and say, this is what David is doing. He is dedicating a new building. But the truth of the matter is we don't know which one it is. Let me give you a couple of options. Number one, it could have been his palace. It could have been his house. There's a time whenever David became king over both the southern and northern kingdoms in which he built a new palace. We know that because Scripture tells us that he went out and he got, he got particular lumber. He got particular. He went into the forest and got the cedars to come and to build this palace in the house. And so many people say, this is his palace and he's dedicating it. But it really doesn't make sense to me as I read this to see that he talks about, I was sick and afflicted. You healed me, that I cried out. It really doesn't make sense to me because whenever he's building the palace, it was a joyous occasion. Others have said, no, this is whenever he first dedicates the tabernacle and he brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And if you'll remember, he had difficulty bringing the Ark of the Covenant because in 2 Samuel chapter 6, they carried the Ark of the Covenant upon an ark, upon a wagon or upon a, they had a, a, a particular way in which they carried the Ark of the Covenant. And one of the men, whenever the, the ox carrying this cart, whenever it stumbled, one of his men touched the Ark and he was was zapped down and he was he was killed immediately and it took them a while to get the ark of the covenant from the philistine hands out of there into the city of jerusalem and that's where he placed it in a new tabernacle and we know that he danced before the lord and we know that his wife michael at the time looked upon him and said i, I will despise you in my heart because you you were undignified and you revealed yourself in front of all of your subjects and you've embarrassed me and so perhaps that's what he's dealing with but I think it goes to the last chapter of 2 Samuel. And there's no scholar that agrees of when this is written. But the last chapter of 2 Samuel is a, it is a flashback to what takes place whenever the anger of the Lord burns and it incites David. And he does something that he, 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 for, he absolutely cannot forget about. It says that he numbered the people. He created a census. And it took nine months and two weeks for all of his people to go throughout the land to number the fighting men. And they came back and they gave him a number of 800,000. And it said then whenever the, his officers begged him, do not do this census. Why? We think, of, why not count the people? We want to count everything. You, we want to know every Sunday how many people came to church. How many did we have? And, and, and listen, we always want to keep number. And so David wanted to keep number of the fighting men and they came back after nine months can you imagine if it took us nine months to count the number of people who were coming to our services that'd be incredible wouldn't it they went all over the land 
And for nine months, they counted the fighting people. And they came back and they said, there are 800,000. And David said, I have sinned greatly against... Why? Is God against counting? No, he'd had censuses before. David sinned because he realized... He realized that he was putting his faith into individuals and not in God. So why why this passage this morning? Let me give you four aspects of this psalm that I think would help us this morning. Number one, we have to understand David's feelings. David's feelings. We see a lot of emotion in this passage. When he uses words such as, I cried. I cried out to the Lord. I want you to just read a couple of these. Uh, just see a couple of these. You've kept me alive. I cried out to you for help. Your anger, his anger is but for a moment. He looks and he sees. He says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth. Girded me with gladness. This is an idea that David is going through a variety of emotions. And that we're talking about his feelings here. And it is the ebb and flow of David's life. Which I think is one of the reasons why I like David so much. Is because David is an imperfect individual who is constantly being used by a perfect God. It's the ebb and flow of his life. We know that David started out real early in life as as not the one that any of us would have picked to be king of Israel. In fact, whenever the prophet Samuel goes to his father Jesse's house, he has all, he has his children, he says, line them all up. And he lines them up and Samuel says, you got any more? Now I need, how bad is it if you're one of those children and the guy says, do you have any more? And they're like, yeah, we got one more, but he was so insignificant that we didn't even want to bring him in here. Because we knew you wouldn't look at him. And Samuel said, bring him in here. And as soon as he came into the house, the word of the Lord spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, that is the one. It's the same one who's as a young... We don't know if he's a teenager, how young he is as a teenager, but we know that Saul is the king and there's this bully by the name of Goliath that is mocking God and mocking all of the Israelites. And Saul says, look, if anybody can kill him, I've got a reward for you. And David, who is a young warrior, he's just a shepherd boy. He says, what are you guys waiting on? And he goes to take his brothers who are fighters, he goes to take them lunch. And while he's there, he's like, I might as well take this nine foot tall dude down. And he picks up five smooth stones out of the river. And I don't know why five. People have said because Goliath had four other brothers. I don't know. I don't know if he wasn't thinking if I miss with the first one, I've got four more to reload. But I'm fixing to give this guy all I can give because he's not going to mock my God any longer. And he slays Goliath. Now I need you to understand that the moral of that story is not that David is so good. But the moral of that story is that the God he serves is so much better. And he becomes king. And he has this adversary 
and he has marital problems, and he has an affair, and he becomes a murderer, and he has more family issues from his children, and his ancestors, and his relatives. If you, that's, if you need to say amen at that point, I understand completely, right? It's dysfunction at best. They put the fun in dysfunction. It is not a healthy situation. And yet he is constantly ebbing and flowing and he's making leadership mistakes and he's making mistakes with his family and he's doing all of these things and he's moving toward God and he's moving away from God. And he is constantly ebbing and flowing and all of a sudden he writes this song and he says, Oh God, I cried out to you and you heard me and you gave me a new song and you turned my mourning into dancing and you did all of these things. You healed my body and I will give you praise and I will praise you for how long? Forever. And that should be the end of the story, but the truth of the matter is it's not because the truth of the matter is is that yes, David can say I will praise you forever, but wait until the next situation. And I'm not certain. I'm not certain. He's that consistent. Because their feelings, their feelings. The main section of this in any of the Old Testament literature is in the sinner. I want you to see this because this is not David's feelings. This is now David's forgetfulness. Now that, in and of itself, that is an innocent. If you tell me. Hey, I know I told you we were going to meet for lunch today. Man, I'm sorry. I forgot I had something else on my calendar. That's an innocent forgetfulness, right? If you were going to, oh, the water bill, it was due this month. I thought I paid it, but I simply forgot. And you call the water department and you beg for forgiveness or you pay the late fee. And you say, this is just where I'm so sorry I forgot. It's an innocent thing. And many of you said, yeah, as I've gotten older, I forget more things. Listen, if you've ever, if you've got more than one child, there have probably been times whenever you've forgotten to call one the right name, right? You call them, you just mix both of them. It's not that you're doing it on purpose. It is that our minds sometimes are forgetful. And many times we just have so much going on that we can't process it. This is David's forgetfulness. However, it is sin. It is sinful. It is not an omission. It is not simply a a sin of of getting things rearranged. He forgets something that is incredibly important. I want to show you what it is. He says these words in verse 6. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity... This is the middle of the entire song. This is the, in Jewish literature, if you go back and look at it, the most important message is always in the middle. Everything else builds around it. So this is the important message of this passage. I said in my prosperity, I said in my good time, I said when everything was going well, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. 
why do we even look at that? Because David had forgotten that it was not his prosperity, that it wasn't his good deeds that brought prosperity. It was not anything that he did. In fact, he'd forgotten the most important thing. He'd forgotten that it was God who provided everything. And he said, listen, when things were good, I said I would not be moved. But I'd forgotten that it was you who made my mountains to stand tall. It was you who created that that cleft in the rock. It was you who created that foundation. It was you who provided me with everything that I needed. And it was nothing that I could give. It's an issue of pride. And so he's singing this song at the dedication. Whether it's the dedication of his palace or if it's the dedication of the new place in which the the, the presence of God, maybe it's a new place of worship, regardless of where the, the presentation is, they're having this dedication, and he gives this song, and he sings this song, and he says, listen, here's the problem. The problem is, is that I, I, I was... I have all of these feelings that I want to give, and then it was my forgetfulness. I forgot that it was you, it was you that we prosper in. Now... Why do I bring this to you this morning? And what is it? I always like to ask the question, what does this have to do with us? And the entire picture, it's not about David's feelings or even his forgetfulness. But the entire passage is about God's faithfulness. Because it continues to say, God, you did these things. You healed me. It was you who brought me from the depth. It was you who brought me from the pit. It was you who gave me life. It was you who turned my mourning into dancing. It's God's faithfulness. Now why am I passionate about this this morning? Because many people in our Christian worldview, in fact, I'll narrow it down even more, in our Christian church culture, In my life, it is easy to praise God when everything is going well. And this psalm is a picture of joy and sorrow. And are they two sides of the same coin? Are they perhaps at opposite spectrums, ends of the spectrum? Can you have one with the other, or is it the fact that they're completely separated? And David reminds us, even though, listen, Scripture, and, I, and we're, not gonna, we're not going to hash this out this morning completely, but this passage of Scripture points to the future that joy will come in the morning. Morning as in new day, not as in sadness, but joy will come in the morning. It is a picture of the faithfulness of God and the future of what will take place as we know. It is a picture of us that whenever the women went to the tomb early on the first day of the week, they were going with sadness and mourning in their heart and they went before the light was even up. They were expecting to prepare Jesus' body for the, for the complete burial. They'd not had the opportunity to do it on Friday evening because the Sabbath had come and so they'd waited all weekend and the, the morning had not even risen. The sun had not even begun to rise. And when they got to the tomb, they were greeted by the angel who looked at them and said, Why 
do you look among the dead for he that is alive? Joy comes in the morning. But this is a picture of the future of what Jesus has done for us and what He can do for anyone who believes in Him, who receives Him. What, how, whatever terminology you want to use confesses that they are sinners and reaches out and cries out that they need a Savior to heal them and to restore them and to make them whole. Jesus is willing to do that because even though we think our life is good, the truth of the matter is if it is without Jesus Christ, it is a, it is a useless life because because we are created in the image of God for His pleasure, for His purpose, for His desire. We were created in order to be in a rightful relationship with Him. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, here's the question that I ask. If you are not experiencing a season of joy this morning, it's okay. Because Christ is still King. And God is still God. If you're not experiencing a time of joy, are you, are you saying, God, have you forgotten me? Am I in the pit? Am I in, in desperation here? The truth of the matter is, life is difficult. And many times we find it easy to acknowledge God whenever our team is winning. Whoever that may be. I see the old Miss shirt. Good luck today. For those of you not aware, they're playing baseball. For others of you who may be Alabama fans, your time is coming in football again and again. There are 14,000 people that showed up to watch a Mississippi State baseball game yesterday. 14,000. Times are good, right? They won. I want to paint a picture for you. 14,000 people to celebrate a baseball game. Times are good. My guess is some of you are leaving this morning to go to the ball fields. And you have the chance to win a championship ring again today. Whatever league you're playing in, you're probably heading now, and if I'd shut up, you could get there sooner, right? Times are good. Maybe you looked at your 401k just a few days ago, and you looked at it, and you said, man, we're back on track. Everything that I lost just a few months ago, I've picked it back up, and times are really good. Maybe the interest rate that you got on the house that you just bought and dedicated. You're like, man, things are good. God is good. Or maybe you had a doctor's appointment last week. And things aren't so good. Maybe one of your parents suffering with dementia, Alzheimer's. Maybe the pain that you have in your 
your leg and feet constantly reminds you of a dark time in your life. And the pins and the screws that are in your leg hurt even when no one else knows it and it reminds you of a dark, difficult time. Or maybe it's the cry of a baby that is a joyous occasion for so many But for some in a congregation this size, it's a painful reminder of a child that's been lost. Can you say, can you say, I will praise you forever? Whether I'm in the pit or whether I'm in the palace, whether times are good, or whether I've had a lawnmower in the shop for the fourth time for the same reason, in the top of a pecan tree that blew out onto my neighbor's fence, and the tree surgeon wants $3,000 to remove that tree. I don't know why I'm so personal about that. (laughs) Can I still say, God, you are good? Because you've healed and restored. And it's not about me, but it's about you. Whether you're walking in joy or sorrow, the message is the same. God is faithful. He's faithful to every one of us. Join me in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for today. No matter the pathway that we're walking, God, you've not asked us to to proclaim that we won't be moved. You've asked us, God, to move toward you. To find where you are at work and to join you. And so, God, even even in joy and heartache, may we seek you. Even in even in the storms. May we be reminded of your faithfulness. We ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I don't know what your focus is on, but if it's not upon the faithfulness, of Jesus. May you turn your eyes to Him today. Brother Grant's going to be standing down front. Brother Shane's going to be leading us. You come as we sing. Oh soul, are you weary and tro-
met the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Okay, cool. Uh, you guys go ahead and be seated. We got a few. We have a few uh, announcements. We have a few announcements for you guys. Uh, one is that there will be a VBS meeting right after uh, service today. I believe that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. No one's yelling at me saying no. All right. So uh, we have VBS meeting right after that. Again, sign up. If you go back, grab a bulletin.